Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cloud Architect podcast, a podcast about cloud technology and the people using it. Welcome, everyone. Nicholas Blank here with my co-host, Warren Dutoy. For more information on this podcast, as well as other shows, uh, browse to http colon forward slash forward slash thearchitects.cloud. This podcast is brought to you by Kemp Technologies. We chose Kemp as a sponsor based on their amazing product line for the cloud, which includes the Kemp Loadmaster appliance in the Microsoft Azure Marketplace, as well as Kemp 360 family. For more information, go to kemptechnologies.com. This podcast is brought to you by NB Consult. NB Consult is a consultancy based in South Africa, the United Kingdom, and Hong Kong, focused on migrating customers to the cloud or helping them build their own clouds. So let's describe, let's describe where we are. Okay, so we're sitting downstairs, the Grand Hyatt on Hong Kong Island. The weather's terrible. <laughs> it's been raining. It's been raining a lot. A lot. And um, we're sitting downstairs doing some prep work. And we are with the amazing exchange goddess. Who just walked into us. Just happened to be here. <laughs> Pumala. Yes, I'm How here. Hi. 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 We are live now. Well, we are live. I love being live. <laughs> so much fun. Yes. So after your seven-mile run, <laughs> you've decided to join us. Yes, I, I have. Um, I got my tea. Seven miles in. I'm sort of refreshed. I still have a, a headache. Uh, and I, I think that is more just uh, maybe the pollution in the air. Yeah. It, it's, you know, my... My body's being adjusted. But anyways, what are we going to talk about? I hear we got a lot of good topics. Well, we were starting to talk. So it's actually my fault because I asked you, what are you talking about? And you said, I'm talking about a bunch of things. And one of them was Azure governance. And I freaked out. And you and Warren started talking and... I decided everyone, to pull out the microphones and stop try the to bus. Do it again. We got to record <laughs> this. So I'm going to rewind a little bit and say, okay, so Pumla, what are you talking about at Ignite this year? And just to set the stage, we are in Hong Kong. You are speaking Hong at Ignite. Hong Kong. Yay! Hong Kong. And this is your fourth one, right? This is my fourth Microsoft Ignite the tour. Awesome. We must say that correctly. Correct. Yes. There's lots of trademarks out there. Hashtag MIT. Yes. So yes, this is my fourth one, Hong Kong, and I am going to be speaking about Azure Governance on Thursday, and also Azure Automation, which you know, kind of, it's not governance, it's more maintaining. Yeah, no, for sure. But is that where blu Blueprints will be? No, Blueprints is in Azure Governance. Got you. Okay, stop yes. the bus. What's a Blueprint? A blueprint is your orchestration. It's the automation of your controlled, governed subscriptions in Azure. I mean, essentially, it is what it, blueprints. It's a blueprint of how you want your specific subscription to be. So it includes RBAC policies. It can include an ARM template. And ARM templates is not a service in Azure. It's just basically a script <laughs> that automates the uh, deployment of A script resources. of what you call guardrails. Blue, a blueprint, so it's orchestration, automation of governed, controlled subscriptions. And governance, simply put it, it's guardrails. It, it's, yeah. yep, it's, it's a guardrail. It's like a fa backyard fence. It's just like I was saying yeah, you know, for sure. previously, it's 
It's like a, you got a playground, you got a backyard with a fence. Kids are playing in the, you know, in the playground, and you know what those rules are. Sure. But nobody leaves the fence. The fence is what keeps you there. It's your perimeter. You know, it's your guardrails. And um, but it's not a restriction. And we talked about restri- restriction is yeah. a very negative word. So true. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. So if you say something in a restrictive way, people are adverse to it. They immediately shy away from it. And then from there, we sort of went on to fear. Well, right? actually, so to rewind a little bit, yeah. uh, we started talking about governance. And I get properly excited about governance because what I see, particularly in the, in the productivity world, is cloud is too easy. Oh, it is. A cloud, cloud, regardless of the cloud that you're in. The very nature of cloud, it is super easy. It makes things just happen. Yeah. And that's where governance and compliance is often forgot because it is too easy. Like, oh, wow, look, I just brought up this application. Let's go. You know, let's, let's. And because the very nature of how businesses work now, it's agile. Yeah. The way, the, you know, the way businesses need to work. You have to be agile because everything is moving so fast. And if you aren't moving fast, and you aren't adapting to the changing landscape of whatever industry you're in, you're you're not making money. Mm. And you gotta make you know as a business you gotta make money, right? So and the cloud makes it easy to be agile, to be fast. You're you're you know you're changing your applications, you're building new applications, and you can do that all in the cloud. But when you're doing this and you're going fast, what's often overlooked is this whole governance and compliance because everyone's mindset is I gotta go 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 and then usually later somebody goes oops yeah we forgot to put some controls some you know some um, measures in place things like that and and you know somebody gets shot in the foot and go oh oh my god so you know having that mindset of you've already have governance applied to your on-premises world just apply it to the cloud and there's there's built-in tools obviously i'm going to talk about azure building sure. tools but applying cloud native governance tools and services allows you to maintain speed and control and it's all about speed and control just for our audience if you hear a lot of coffee noises <laughs> and breakfast noises it's because we literally grabbed Pumala. we're live we're live over we're breakfast live. Yes. yes so we took the food out of pumela's mouth <laughs> and we said, please, will you talk to us about this topic? And she was kind enough to say yes. Exactly. After taking the fork out of our arm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still holding on to the menu. She's yeah. still holding on to the menu. So quite literally, we, we sat at breakfast and we started talking about governance, as we do because our lives are very exciting. And um, to be fair, this stuff is super exciting because these are the kind of problems that we have to solve for our customers. Because... They spin stuff up, the sales guy left the room, and we started spinning stuff up. It's live, I have an application that's live, and then the security guy comes in and says, um, switch Stop everything off. And then what do we do? Can we apply governance after the fact? Where do we start? Should we have started in the beginning? What do we do? Of course you can apply governance after the, you know, the fact. It's just... When you do that... That's more of a business process, right? Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. business process. I don't want to say it's always not easy. It can be easy. It's just, you know, you've got to break some habits then. You know, my goal is to have people thinking, I've got to do this, have this mindset going in from the start of 
how can I think about this in a way from a bigger picture? Instead of just going, oh, I, I need to get this deployed right now, which is how most organizations work, where let's think about the bigger picture. We know that there's built-in tools there. You may not have to apply them right away, but develop your applications, develop you know your project and your processes so that when it is time to turn on compliance, that you're already in that frame, that you know that mindset. But also like blueprints, uh, you know Azure blueprints. I mean that that's easy governance right there. You, yeah. you create yeah. a blueprint, and every time you spin up another subscription, and if it's the same type of blueprint that you want to apply, boom, just apply it, and you've got your governance built in. Like it's. You don't even have to think about it. Exactly, yeah. You, you take all that thinking away. You know, it's the the automating, the orchestration of it. I mean, it's, I guess I'm going to use a buzzword, DevOps. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking Sorry, about two I, things. I, I, I used a, a buzzword. Oh, all good. But we, we started, well, we have two things there. One is that we have blueprints and then we have DevOps. And talk to me like... I'm a customer looking at Azure or cloud for the very first time. And you've mentioned this DevOps thing. I'm on premises. Warren talks a lot about DevOps. This is super easy in his mind. So for the What is DevOps though? Well, that, well, that is, that's my exact yeah. question. So you've, you've just thrown this thing at me and I'm the on-premises guy. Yeah. You know, I hug my servers and I said agile and governance and blueprint and devops you see and the, the thing is where DevOps, do i start De devops, devops is not is, a product devops is a methodology that believe it or not can be sometimes applied to on-premises stuff oh yeah oh, um, e so oh, i mean totally yeah devops it can be applied is yeah, anywhere 100 it can be applied everywhere um it's i think the idea is that when people associate devops with cloud it's because of how you're adapted to move quickly and you're using the tools building. Yeah. So, so. Dev DevOps is, yeah, it's a methodology. Simply put, it's people from different teams mm. working together for a common goal to make things run better and quicker, more yeah. efficient, right? Yeah. You got ops, exactly. you've got developers. Yeah. They're working together, writing code, whatever, you know, and they're developing a process yes. that Deploys makes things quickly, run better quickly. and quicker. Because yeah. ultimately, I mean, it's, it's not, DevOps is not a product. It's well, it is now. Well, <laughs> yeah, yes, but the, but the term Yeah, it's DevOps, a methodology. It's yeah. metho and it can be applied anywhere. And you know, I, I, I really hate that word. <laughs> what would, you, what would you call it? I don't know. Collaborative word. I, I, because it really is. Mm. It's, it's about collaborating, getting groups of people together. Yeah. You know, and coming, you know, working together to make something run better more efficient yeah. and faster. Isn't that collaboration? You're working together. I just, uh, You're you, right, by definition. But by the definition, sure. yeah, because that's that's the yeah. whole methodology of it. I mean, if you look at Teams, for instance, right? Having oh God, having we're going, a, yeah, we're, we're just like, we're drifting it, but having totally a, yeah, it, yeah. So having, having a group of people working on a document, okay? So the document can be reviewed yep. and uh, worked on by multiple people. So think of, Think of like SharePoint as a Git repository if you think about it for documents, right? So people check the file out, they check it in, they can work on it together, they do the merge, and then somebody presents it or reviews it. So yeah, collaboration, yeah, it makes sense. It's a way of collaborating, you know, just making things run better. So Sharing ideas. Collab ops. Uh, hey? what, what, what was that again? Collab ops. Collab ops. <laughs> 
So let me ask you, in, in your previous world, you were exchange on top of VMware, on top of physical tin, in a rack, in a data center. And yeah. in that world, how would you have applied DevOps to yourself as an operations person? Actually, we did. How did you do it? Awesome. So our group worked with, we call you know, power showers, <laughs> scripters, yeah. developers, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call them. Um, I just like to call them IT people. <laughs> and we worked together to develop scripts and different processes to make our applications run better, our processes run better. We had um, this, I won't say application, but we had a process where we would sync our HR system with AD and, and some other applications, sync all together, and we wrote, wrote some very, very intense PowerShell scripts in collaboration with other departments, so everything was synchronized. I mean, that, that is a form of yep. DevOps because the onboarding process, our offboarding process, that was all automated, you know, wh whatever yeah. you want to call it. It was all collaborative work. We had all different teams working together. Uh, and then we also did, you know, server uh, offboarding, onboarding, working with the different teams and coming up with a process that actually trickled through through our ticketing system as well. And we use ServiceNow. I mean, sure. it, that, that was, and this was all via scripts and tickets and, and whatnot, you know, the filter through exchange. All, I mean, there, there's so many different things that I did in my past life that you could term DevOps. Yeah. Because it was working with other departments, cross-functional teams, coming together for a common goal, and how do we make this better? How do we make this process better? And I loved working on those teams because we were making our business run better. Is it fair to say then, to quote you there, that the essence of DevOps is how do we make this process better? Yeah. Yep. Totally. For sure. How do we make this better? How do we make this more efficient? More efficient. Efficient and better. Because some of the some of the processes that you know certain organizations, most organizations have, you can you can go through your processes and look, can we make this better? Are we doing this the most efficient way? Because I'm sure some of us could say, uh, no, yeah, why, why do we have seven people going through, you know, and duplicating work for one another? Maybe we can cut this down to one person yeah. if we automated a lot of this. It's like an onboarding, offboarding, new employees, right? Mm. You could automate that with, you know, your HR system, get your developers involved, get, you know, the Active Directory team, get the Exchange team involved. Mm. And that's what we did. And all, and, whole bunch of PowerShell scripts, lots of different, you know, other scripts that dealt with Oracle, which is, I, I'm not even going to claim I know anything about because <laughs> Oracle is just a beast in them. But, you know, pulling, pulling data out of other applications and synchronizing it with another big mega system like Active Directory. I mean, that, yep. that's two uncommon platforms. So we spoke about process, but I think one of the, the big points of DevOps is to get people actually talking to each other yes. while we're creating efficiency in that process. And we're breaking down the barriers between potentially infrastructure and development, mm -hmm. as well as the teams and management, as well as IT and the ultimate audience, which is the people that IT is supposed to be working for. Is that fair? Yeah. So the end consumer, the business. It's the very business complicated. Itself. Yeah. 
It is. It's, it's a complicated relationship. <laughs> no, I'm just saying Nick's trying to make everything sound I, complicated. Well, I, I'm not. So, But it is. <laughs> Ultimately, things are... It's all, it always depends. Everything, I, you know, it always depends. Hmm. So what I'm trying right to do with this is consider our listener who doesn't know what DevOps is, who comes from an infrastructure world. No, 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 world. for sure. I completely understand that. And then how do we, how do we bridge that gap? Because a lot of these terms are... Meaningless buzzwords. buzzwords. Yeah, they're buzzwords. It's breaking down barriers. Ultimately, we are breaking down those silos. Stop working in silos. Let's work together. Let's mm. talk. Yeah. Let's let's you know, because ultimately, as IT professionals working in a company in an organization, our goal is to provide services to the business. Mm. So, if we are siloed into our server team, our storage team, our our individual applications team, like what good are we? Yeah. We're just silos, and then no one's talking. Break down those silos. Let's start talking more cross-functional teamwork. You're going to get better results. Which is, I guess, the whole point of a lot of the technologies that are coming out. And so, uh, you know, you're talking about the Azure compliance side. I'm talking about Office 365 compliance. We're talking about e-discovery and things like that. And uh, the security team, for instance, have always been the guys writing the policies, right? They're the guys that sit there and they write, you aren't allowed to do this, you're They're allowed the to do that. Yeah, but now they can go into the portal and actually do it themselves as well. So it's bringing the security team and the IT team together. And so your compliance and your IT become like one thing so that there's no silos between them so that they can understand each other. Mm-hmm. And that breaks down those barriers and yes. it allows the organization to become compliant a hell of a lot easier. Okay, so let's move from one buzzword to another buzzword. So earlier we touched on governance and blueprints, and I'm still the on-premises IT person who's been given an Azure subscription, and you mentioned don't run with scissors, right? Both of you are huge advocates of that. Don't run with scissors because we otherwise... We all run with scissors, though. We do, <laughs> but we're not supposed yeah. to. And yeah. Then and then the security officer comes in and says, um, it's not compliant, you need to shut it down. So... To prevent all of that, how do we start with governance? Should we start with blueprints? How do we start with blueprints? Where does our person begin? So, here, here, my opinion. Yes, governance. Everybody should use you know blueprints for governance. But in some organizations, that might be overkill. Yeah. Start out small, especially if you're afraid. Fear, fear. With fear, sure. humans tend to. We get afraid, we shut down, we don't want to do it. So, and governance can put some fear because there's always compliance, governance. It has a very negative connotation towards it already. And sometimes mysterious. Yeah, like, oh my God, what is this? So we have to start, like, I like to tell people, start off small. RBAC, role-based access control. You start real simple. Does everybody need access to every freaking file? Never. Probably not. Does your does your administrative assistant need access? Yeah. Do they need domain admin access? No. Do they need global administrator access? And that you know, in Azure, if you're giving everybody global administrator access, yeah, you're you're done. Think of think of that as your domain admin rights. You don't give everybody domain admin rights, so why would you give everybody global administrator rights? Same same concept. Start start small. Not, not preventing people. We're just setting in guardrails, mm-hmm. controls, RBAC. And then you step up with policy. Now, policy 
it, it is a form of restriction and not allowing creation of certain resources, but it's also a way of measuring items too. And then cost control, because you always got to throw cost control in there with governance. You, you, just, you just have to, because nobody has an unlimited IT budget. And if they do, I'd really love to, you know, sit Especially down. Especially when it comes yeah. to Ezra. I'd love to sit down and chat with somebody now. if they have an unlimited IT budget. There's always a budget. So you've got to have some type of controls, you know, ways to measure that. Policies do that. So there you go. RBAC and policies. Now, now you're thinking, okay, I've started out small. I've got these these. I've got these two tools that I'm using. I'm planning, and my environment's growing. My business is growing, and I've got you know more needs. What do I do now? Because this manual work is starting to be a pain. I got to be more efficient, right? I can't constantly. Every time we spent new subscription, I'm recreating the wheel constantly. I'm yep. at, you know repeating these same policies. Hmm. Okay. Blueprints comes now. If you're growing and growing, and you have tons of subscriptions that you need to rapidly deploy this is where blueprints comes into play you create this blueprint it's a frame you know it's it's literally what is it? it's a blueprint just like a building blueprint it's got your guardrails your you know your uh i don't say limitations but you know it's got your control measures in place and then you stamp it to a subscription and every time you need to deploy another subscription you apply a blueprint to it boom you've got automatic governance for you and if you need to update that governance, let's say, you know, some changes happen because business, you know, it evolves and change. You can make versions. So, you, you, you know, you can create another version or you can go back a version. You can make, it's, that's the, the beauty of blueprints is you can do so much with it. And then if you're, you know, ready to go into production, you can export that and then port it in and create another blueprint off of that. And it's, it's very, very flexible. But so those are the three stages that I looked at. Start off small, simple, and then you start to scale. And then once you are at that stage where you just have multiple subscriptions, you know, you, you just you need control, that's where Blueprints really comes in. Small mom pop shop that's got a couple subscriptions, Blueprints may be overkill. And this is my opinion. It, it, it may be overkill. It, it may not be. But at the very least, you know, our back and policies to just, st you know, just the to way get you describe it, it doesn't sound scary at all, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, for everybody it, listening, guys, it's really not that scary. Our back role-based access control. You already sort of are doing it now. Yeah, for sure. Because most people don't give their admins rights to everything, no. yep. or they don't give you know the CEO rights to everything. Sure. You're already implementing our back. Yep. It's just you're implementing it in a way that's particular to your environment. You may not be using the term RBAC, and you may not be using you know, the specific security groups that is whatever and preferred architecture, but you're doing some sort of RBAC already in your fashion. So sure. take that concept and apply it to the cloud. Mm. And then you already sort of have certain policies in place, right? Yeah, I'm sure you've got documentation that says, uh, you know, our DMZ servers need to have X ports open and close and only server admins have access to DMZ servers or production servers, you know, developers don't have access to production servers. You sort of already have policies in place for that. Same thing. You can do you know, with the cloud. You're just taking that concept and, you know, and those principles and just applying it. But most of us already have that. It's yeah. just now we're putting a name to what you're already currently doing. And you know, there's not even governance. Like 
so if we take governance out of it, right? Okay. Blueprints also helps uh, with people that don't know how cloud methodologies work. So for instance, when you create a virtual machine inside of Azure, what does it create for you? A virtual network, right? People don't understand that a virtual network is a network, an entire network. So you then, if you create another one, you have to peer them together and mm -hmm. it becomes like two separate sites. So you end up having this massive WAN in one subscription. Whereas Blueprints can then sort of help that out as well. The idea is that you don't create multiple virtual networks and you don't yes. create all these resources that you don't Some need. Some controls and measures. Exactly, guardrails. Yeah, yep. guardrails. Yep. Here's another thing. So if you have high turnover rate, or let's say you've outsourced a lot of your IT staff, Blueprints is great for that because now... They can't create something again. Yes, the yep. learning curve is a lot less in terms of ma managing and maintaining your subscriptions. So that, uh, that is a good example of, of a use, you know, use case for it is turnover rates. You're, you're, not, you're not constantly training someone. Like in the on-premises world, you know, mm. really there is no blueprints. You gotta, you know, the new guy or the new temp that comes in, someone's got to sit down with them for, what, a good day or two and go, here's everything that happens in our environment. Mm. Have at it. Mm. And then it usually takes a few weeks for you to get comfortable with the environment. So with the cloud, having blueprints, those controls and measures are, are already defined. So the new person coming in, it's a brief look at the blueprint. Here's what controls and measures we've set. Deploy a new subscription, apply it. And yes. They're still going to have to understand what artifacts are in that blueprint. You know what policies. Well, I mean, they still have to understand those concepts and, and know the details of it. But having to recreate the wheel is is the beauty of you know using blueprints. So often, when we talk cloud architecture to a customer for the very first time, we advise them to think of Azure as the equivalent of an empty data center. Yes. With a rack or racks, with a top of rack switch with nothing in it, and to oh start yeah. from scratch in terms of their planning. So start your, your network layer, your physical layer, consider to Warren's point how things are gonna root, what your networks are, except that what we'd like to do is we'd like to start with governance first as opposed to governance as an afterthought. However, how do we do that when we don't know what the technology can do for us yet? Yeah, that, that, that so... Because one, you can't govern something that you don't understand. Yes, that y that's a very good point. So if you don't understand it, it's, it's very hard to govern. So I would look at as what are my current measures that I have in my on-premises world? What am I currently doing? Document it. I'm sure most people have a document. If you don't, document it. And then take a look and go, what do I need to be able to do? How can I do this in the cloud? So document what your requirements are in terms of specific governance require, you know, compliance. If, if you are in an industry like healthcare, you know. Oh, you should know. Yeah, you should know what measures need to be in place. So taking that, you know, concept of okay I'm, I'm in healthcare and I've got HIPAA I gotta deal with and here's what I need to ensure happens and then it, then I hate to say it but you gotta research you do mm. here's what I need to do 
I need to make sure, you know, uh, we have restrictions in place. A guy said negative word. We've got controls in place so that admins and developers and, and end users, the business, have access to only what they need to have access for. Okay, what, what tools are available in Azure for me to do that? Are back. So it's, it's, it's one, the business learning what's available you know, doing their, doing their own research, but that's all researching with the account teams. There's plenty of resources the account, the account teams can offer to the businesses. But ultimately, you know, it, it's, it's taking that both, doing, doing definitely research on your own. I am a strong advocate in that. Account teams are great, but having just come from the customer world, it's always, always good to do your own research because then if you find something, and let's say the account team, um, not to say they forgot to mention it, but not everybody knows everything. It, it, Azure is so huge, mm. it's impossible mm. to know every single service yeah. to detail. So if you're doing research and, and what you need to be, uh, how to be compliant, you know, what, what tools and, and services that you think you may need, bring it up to your account team, say, mm. okay, I need to make sure that I'm HIPAA compliant and you know I, I follow these standards and I, I saw this online on your website. Can I find more details about this? So it's it's working together you know with, with your account teams and doing you know your own research, having your own staff do some research. And I know some people feel that their account team should know everything, but we're all humans. It is impossible to know everything. So that, that's that's my you know that's my take on that, and then you build on from that. Once you start figuring out, okay, I did my research. The account team came in. They, they, you know, they, we talked about this, and then once you have an idea of what services you need, you can start planning. And keep in mind, the cloud is constantly evolving. So what's out there now, six months from now, one maybe obsolete. Two, it may change. 180 yeah you know, like so you you've got to con you got to keep that mindset that it may change yes yes we were talking to a customer yesterday and they were referring to the reference architecture we did for uh, publishing applications in azure two years ago and i said to them we should probably revise it for you because you've got a whole lot more options now oh yeah i, I when i you know my prior lives every year we always went through all our policies and procedures we you know documents and documents and i always hated it but it was a necessary evil let's review our policies to make sure they're current do we need to change anything and it's good for organizations to do that because technology evolves and change your business evolves and change so what you implemented you know two or three years ago may not be valid anymore, right? Do you need to do backups to tape? Maybe you've implemented backup to disk now. Yeah. Or maybe you're backing up to the cloud. So if your policy still states you need to back up to tape and then use a third party to ship it off site, but you're not doing that anymore, you're, you just violated your policy yeah. according, you know, uh, According to regulations, right? Your policy says you're doing, you're supposed to be doing this, but, but you're not doing it anymore. You're backing up to the cloud. So you, revisiting your documented procedures and processes is always a good thing. And then updating it to be 
current to what your processes are and how the business is actually working. Which implicitly actually builds your governance model for yes. you. Yes, yes. Because ultimately governance is about making sure your IT investments is meeting the requirements of your business. So let's talk about money. Oh gosh, money. I don't have any money. <laughs> Me neither. But we like spending it, right? Oh, everybody <laughs> loves spending money. I'm very good at spending money. And we like spending the, the money that's in our subscriptions. Oh, it's so easy to spend money. So wow. how, do we, how do we not run out of money, right? This is true. How, how do we... Policies. <laughs> we sh you know, guardrails. Okay. That's, so a, that's, that's how governance and, control and policies help you control your costs. Just cost to make this clear, the point that we're going on is cost control. And what we're asking is, I now have a tentative grip on governance in terms of the policies that are reviewed. My next step is the business will look at me and say, so tell me, Nick, how do I not run out of money this year with a budget that I have inside of Azure? Or I run into a situation where I've been running for three months and I've spent a year's or two years worth of subscription and the Microsoft rep is going to go, ka-ching, I need that check, please. Yeah. It's also got to do with modernization. The reason I say this is because Office 365, right? Yeah has this thing around it that it could be pretty much bottomless. All right. Every, the cloud is a bottomless pit of However, <laughs> Azure charges you for it, but Office 365 doesn't. So what I'm trying to say here is- well, Office 365 is a capped cost. So yeah, correct. So a file server, for instance, you have a two terabyte file server, whatever the case would be is, you put that into Azure, it's gonna cost you monthly for that machine. Yeah. You put it into SharePoint, it you like you that word user. SharePoint, don't you? <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually, I'm not too much of a SharePoint fan. Um, however, it has gotten a lot better. So um, I think the days that I worked with SharePoint behind, behind it was sort of 2003, 2007 days. And it, 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 there was a lot of space for improvement. Um, but it was SharePoint Online and the fact that it's, it's like Exchange now. So uh, Exchange is a substrate for a bunch of other ob Office mm. 365 services. And so SharePoint. So SharePoint is behind Teams and behind mm -hmm. OneDrive. Oh, yeah. People don't really understand that. So before we drift it's off too much yeah. into magic. Voodoo <laughs> magic. Let's talk yeah. about how do I not blow my budget? So Azure. with Azure, you can create policies that restrict, not allow <laughs> the creation <laughs> of experience of certain SKUs, you could still, you could still have developers, operators, deploy VMs, machines, resources, but you can restrict them to specific SKUs, maybe cheaper VMs, maybe production. You know, you 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 allow your expensive VMs, and then test and QA dev. Who needs who, 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 need, who needs have. SSD drives? on the server and QA mm. and dev. Oh yeah. D depending on your application, you may want to test it, but the majority probably not. You you could probably do with, you know, a lower set of VMs just just from a test perspective. So that that's that's the way to control. You can control who actually has rights to deploy. Maybe you restrict it to specific people mm -hmm. and say I'm restricting the subscription deployment you know, of resources to a specific set of people, and then these specific set of people only have rights to deploy a certain set of resources. Now, you, now, now you're controlling 
what resources, which is ultimately dollar signs. You know, yeah. it's yeah. you're saying, okay, you could still do your job. You you can, you know, deploy at it, do whatever you need to do, but I'm restricting you to cheaper stuff, at least for this subscription. What about a prover-based workflow? Well, you mentioned ServiceNow earlier, right? Yes. So something that people don't know is ServiceNow, well, some, some, some do, some don't. ServiceNow has APIs into Azure. Yes. Right? yes so you yes can use a system that you already have to allow somebody, so a prover-based workflow. So essentially somebody will go into their store, yeah. a developer, yeah. and they will see what's available to them. They'll hit the go button and then it'll go to their senior for approval. And then ServiceNow will go and deploy it inside of Azure for you. So sometimes they don't even have to touch the Azure portal. So people should investigate those options. They've maybe got oh, yeah, an investment that they can leverage already. Tons of APIs. Tons of yeah. APIs out there. Yeah. You know, build, build in those workflows. There's going to be probably some customization involved. I mean, yeah. the, the, to get that level of, uh, I don't want to say complexity, yeah. but control that you want, that automation, that orchestration, yes, you're, you're going to have to you know, lift the hood up a little bit, pull your, your sleeves up, and, and get your hands dirty. You know, you're going to have to make some customizations, especially if you want to have that, that workflow, the mm. approval process. Yeah. Okay. I'm thirsty now. <laughs> so yes. let's, let's hydrate yeah. you and ask you if you know what your your uh, session codes are that you're talking about this week so that people can look them up. Otherwise, we can always add them to the speaker notes. Okay, so I'm speaking on Hybrid 30, which is uh, maintaining your Azure environment. And that is about Azure automation and managing uh, your resources within Azure, but also your on-premises world. Mm -hmm. And then the hybrid 40, which is governing your Azure environment. So those, those, are the, those are the session codes. And I do have an Azure Blueprints 101 theater session. Okay. 15 minutes. And I'm sorry for the haters out there that says it's too quick. And it's a 15-minute theater. You, you, know, you, you, you get what you get for 15 minutes. But if you need to know more about Blueprints, you come to hybrid 40. Sweet. Yeah. Uh. It's a teaser. That's what it is. Yeah, it is a teaser. <laughs> I love what you said about we can apply what we're learning in cloud to the on-premises world. Oh, definitely. It's just it's it's translation. These are basic concepts. It's it's nothing. We're not doing anything new in terms of we need governance because you need, you're already doing it in your on-premises world. Yeah. It's what tools are available for me to apply governance in the cloud. It, it, all this is translation of what you're currently doing and utilizing these new set of tools. That, that's all it is. Because I'm willing to bet almost everybody has some sort of governance, whether it's small or big, you have some, some form of governance in your environment. That's a wonderful place to land the show. So for sure. Thank you so much for letting us disturb your breakfast. Oh. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I always love, always love speaking with you guys. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for and having me. We will interview again if you'll have us in Orlando. Oh yes, that's November fourth through yep. the eighth, twenty nineteen. That's only a really a few months away that's when you think about away. it. But a lot of things to learn between now and then. And oh, can I do a shout out go for, on. The of course. for the next next tour stop? Yep, so please. I'll be in Dubai and Mexico City. So if you are listening and you are in those cities, 
definitely come to Microsoft Ignite the tour. For sure. Awesome. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, everybody. Have a great day.